Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Welcome to the Avid Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Hart, CEO and founder of Avid, unleashing your potential. Alan Hart here. Today on the show, I have Chris Bollock, Senior Brand Manager for Extra Gum and Mints. Thank you for doing this. Um, you won an FE for Extra Gum and the campaign around Give Extra, Get Extra. I'm curious, what was the inspiration behind that campaign? Sure. So, um, Thanks for the congratulations. We're really proud to have won an FE, I'd say first and foremost, because FEs are tied to business results. And so that sort of takes me into what the inspiration was, which was the category was in a really bad place. Gum was declining at unprecedented rates, and so was the extra brand. And as the number three brand in the category, we were really inspired to restore category growth um, by driving extra back to health. So I'd say, you know, the business need was get the category and get the brand back to healthy. The second big inspiration was, um, you know, we were really inspired and charged up behind defining what the extra brand could become. Candidly, the past of extra was a little schizophrenic. It was the brand that could stand for anything. And over the course of its 30-year history, it stood for just about everything that you could stand for in the gum category. It stood for freshening. It stood for grapefruit flavor. At one point in the recent past, it stood for a five-calorie snack substitute. And the consequence of all of those varied brand positionings was the brand really had no brand meaning. And when we measure ideal brand rating um, with BBDR agency partners, we see a very strong correlation between market share and ideal brand rating. 
And extra was an anomaly in that data point in that it had a very low ideal brand rating, almost had an unideal brand rating relative to its size in the market. So um, there was a huge opportunity to definitively and for the long term define what the extra brand stands for. And so that was like sort of businessy inspiration. The creative inspiration came from a variety of different uh, different sources. So as we were defining the brand and trying to identify what archetype it would line up against, we decided that extra it was best suited to be a brand that talks in the voice of the innocent archetype. Uh, and when we looked across the industry at other brands that embody that voice, we found Dove Chocolate. They had a beautiful piece of copy called More to Love. We looked at innocent fruit juice that came out of Europe just for the simplicity and sort of the brightness of their storytelling. And then um, more specifically, we looked to a previous execution from McDonald's. It was called Flashback, which also really embodied the story of the innocent, the simplicity in life and sort of the joy and renewal that comes from the simple things in life. So a little bit of business inspiration and then creative inspiration there as well. Great. What I'm curious, this, this notion of innocence is pretty, pretty interesting. What, what, um, was there any, you know, decision points or, or, um, um, conversations around that in terms of, you know, when you knew that that was the right direction to take? Absolutely. So the process of building and building brand compasses here at Mars includes a rigorous phase of defining your brand archetype. And we look to the 12 common archetypes in literature to line our brands up against those because we know that the stories that archetypes tell are universally true and broadly accepted. Um, so we went through a very rigorous research process to understand consumers' motivations when they chew gum, consumers who chew extra gum, what they're particularly motivated by. And the conclusions that we began to reach were threefold. One was these consumers value simple and small things in life. Um, small little gestures can have a very big impact in their outlook on the day. Secondarily, we realized that the notion of togetherness played a significant role in consumers' lives. The notion that things are better together than they are independently was a big part of where we were landing the story. And then the third insight that we stumbled upon is a lot of consumers believe that like, when you stop for a moment and look around and observe like what's here in the world around us, there's actually a lot of beauty and happiness that exists in our world today, so often we're busy with the challenges of, of daily life and sort of the grind of work that consumers stop to lose the opportunity to stop and think and reflect on what's actually happening around them. And when they do that, they see a lot of joy and happiness. So we reached the conclusion of like simple, small things, togetherness, and just stopping and reflecting for a moment. And when we looked at all of the archetypes that exist in the world, we found that stories of the innocent archetype most commonly tied back to these insights that we had established. So that was a very rigorous, call it six to 10 week process to land the brand within the innocent space. Sounds like you use a lot of information and, and research at your disposal. Do you have any favorites that you go to or that you, you think are, um, you have to have this if you have nothing else? You know, I'll tell you this project to reposition the extra brand, which ultimately got us to this beautiful piece of award-winning copy, started with a very rigorous research approach. It was a four-phased approach that lasted upwards of 10 months. And the steps, just to tell them sequentially, was first a dig of all the existing research that we have, historical research about the brand, and maybe more current research about 
how we landed on the more recent positionings of the brand. We then secondarily worked with consumers to build new positionings to validate some of our positioning statements. We went through several rounds of quant and in-home studies, sorry, qual and in-home studies, and double validated this with two separate quant studies to make sure that we were absolutely landing the right positioning statement. And then it culminated with defining what we call a brand compass. I'm sure other brands call these brand cores or whatever they may be called, um, which was the manifestation of this new brand meaning on one page. What is our brand belief? What is our benefit? Um, and so on. Good. How, how did the team play a role? I'm sure there, you know, you had other folks internally and then you had external partners. How did that all come together? So the team played a very big role in this project. Given the state of the category and the size of the extra brand here at Wrigley, this was an all-hands-on-deck mission, right? The category was hemorrhaging. Our core brands were not very healthy. And we were leading the charge here at Wrigley with a major effort to get gum back to growth, right? And extra was a key pillar of getting gum back to growth. So you can imagine that in addition to the usual brand and agency team members that we had in the mix, the stakeholders that we had in senior management um, were vast and broad. We had the president involved. We had the CMO involved. We had the head of research involved. These weren't the usual sort of functional rep, uh, functional marketers sort of leading the charge here. This had visibility high up through the organization, and they were routinely checking in on the progress we were making. Again, given the severity of the category health and the opportunity to turn around one of our biggest brands. So the team played a very big role um, collectively. So the ad, as, as I was watching it, the campaign and the ad that I, you can see online, um, there's very little um, communicated in words. And I, I think it's the last 10 seconds or so of the ad that um, gives you a voice, a narrative voiceover, and then, um, and then a, a quick um, visual of the product. I'm curious, you know, with so much riding on the line, you know, that's a pretty big leap um, to focus on an almost purely emotional message. Just curious, you know, if you if if it felt that way as you were going through this. So as we were going through it, there was no mandate to say this has to be an ad that has no dialogue in it. Um, what we discovered in time was that the more emotion that we were building into the spots, the more impactful that they were becoming, and we were in real time realizing the benefits and the power that a beautiful picture can have, a beautiful soundtrack can have. Um, what we look at when we evaluate advertising is a piece of copy's ability to get noticed, to get remembered, and then to get understood. And what we were finding was that the power of the visual and the storytelling was very easy to get noticed. The impact of sort of the punchline of the story was very easily remembered. And there was simplicity in the story that helped a viewer understand what was happening throughout the course of the spot. So the story of the dad and the daughter, the repetition of the vignettes of the girl growing old, um, that habitual pattern of the father folding origami cranes for the daughter, uh, you know, it's very easy to understand the totality of the spot. So we thought we were doing really well with getting noticed, remembered, and understood, even in the absence of dialogue within the spot. Great. Well, it definitely draws you in, so congrats on that again. Um, 
What I would like to do is just get winning an FE is really about marketing effectiveness. And so I'm curious what your definition is for marketing effectiveness. Yeah, I mean, quite simply, as marketers and as brand managers, um, marketing effectiveness, in my opinion, is driving the business. Right? Are we having a significant and sustainable impact on business growth? And to play that out a little more precisely, marketing effectiveness, in my opinion, is not simply growing the brand, but growing the category. We know that our most important partners, who that being our customers, the Walmarts and Targets of the world, care about category growth and not brand growth. And so we as marketers are putting that very deliberate lens on category growth and, and developing really powerful marketing that will do that. Um, to play this out a bit further, I think one of the harshest measures in marketing is penetration. And as we consider buy rate versus penetration strategies, I mean, to get more people to chew more gum is absolutely what we're trying to do. And that is a tall order. Uh, It's never easy to grow a business, but there are shortcuts you can take in growing a business, like selling bigger packs to drive your price point, um, developing a more premium um, brand just to drive basket ring per unit. But getting more people to chew more gum and to put more packs of gum in their shopping carts is a very, very hard challenge. And that's what we set out to do here on XGM, which was grow the brand and the category by driving penetration. Um, and I was very happy to see that we did that instantaneously and that we were recognized for those accomplishments with an FE. Um, one other sort of component of marketing effectiveness, in my opinion, again, points to power power of the advertising and the simplicity of the advertising. So when I think about the ingredients that make marketing very effective, it has to be simple. It has to be very easy to understand back to that noticed, remembered, understood construct. And it has to be powerful enough to get noticed and disrupt a very distracted consumer. And it has to be powerful enough to get remembered, to, to warrant a spot or an allocation in a consumer's memory bank. So power and simplicity, I think, are two of the key ingredients even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, the drive marketing effectiveness. So stepping back a little bit from the campaign, and let's just talk about you for a moment. You achieved this level of success and this recent award uh, you know, as part of the team, but curious, what fuels marketers like yourself? So what, what fuels you? Yeah, so I, I must admit, similar to the last question, I'm very fueled by driving growth and driving sustainable growth. So the evolution that I've had as a marketer in my career is is seeking sustainable growth. We can all do things as marketers that feel like little flashes in the pan and can spike your business for a short period. But 
developing a marketing event or program or repositioning your brand or, or creating some activity that has a sustainable long-term impact on the business is really what fuels me and excites me um, first and foremost. I'd say secondarily, understanding that there are insights that speak to all consumers motivates me as well. And we have a lot of debates about targeting and segmentation. And I think the power in this spot that we created with Extra was it was based on, on a universal human truth and the story that we told had, was very, very broadly appealing. Um, it was a story that no matter, no matter if you were a mom or a dad, a son or a daughter, whatever role you play in life, that story spoke to you and any consumer could relate to it. Um, so there was, there was true power there. And I think that fuels me, right? Finding an insight that talks to all consumers out there in the world, not just a narrow sub, sub uh, set of consumers. So as a brand marketer, what brands do you follow? Yeah, I, it's a great question. I follow a, a broad swath of brands from established big CPG brands to brands outside of our industry to startup brands. So I can tell you within our industry, I'm very inspired by a lot of brands that we have here at Mars, Snickers, M&Ms, Skittles. These brands are, are executing best-in-class marketing and driving tremendous results. Um, year after year after year. And I think it's, out, it's an outstanding source of inspiration. And when I look at the commonality that we have on Extra with the commonality um, with those three brands, I see a fourth brand in the mix that looks very similar, and that's Coke. And it's easy to be inspired by Coke. They're such massive advertisers, such smart marketers. Um, but the commonality between Snickers, Skittles, M&Ms, Extra, and Coke is what I mentioned earlier. They're telling broadly appealing stories that are based on universal human truths um, and they aren't narrowly segmenting their consumer base. So within the industry, I think those are brands that, that I follow and admire. Outside of the industry, um, I admire brands like NASCAR who attract such significant audiences into their franchise and are on this evolutionary uh, path of attracting even more consumers and more demographics into their platform, again, trying to create very broad appeal for their sport. Pivoting then into startups and, and new platforms, I love the brands of Airbnb and Warby Parker, um, largely for the proof point that small brands can emerge seemingly out of nowhere and cause massive disruption to very established segments and categories. Um, those are very powerful brands in my opinion. And then lastly, sort of in the world of entertainment, uh, this may seem a little bit silly, but I sincerely admire the brand of the Kardashians. To tie it back to universal appeal and universal human truths and broad appeal, I think a universal human truth is everyone aspires to be fun and happy and glamorous and luxurious and be surrounded with a loving family and have tons of friends and fun. And I think that is the embodiment of what the Kardashian brand is. Um, so while they may seem just like celebrities who... Um, people may criticize for one reason or another, I think that is an incredibly powerful brand based on the insight that they deliver, which is people simply want to be fun and happy with their friends and family. Interesting. I've, I've never quite heard the Kardashians put in that light, but I like it. I like your universal truth, if you will, behind what they're, what they're delivering. Um, I agree. I agree. It's good. Um, thinking about marketing trends and, and how you might advise or, or counsel other marketers, what do you feel like is the, 
either most important trend or opportunity today? And and then I also want to know what, what you think the biggest challenge is as well. Sure. So, um, you know, one trend that I think marketers should begin to adapt to inherit or, or, or take on board is the notion that brands are malleable. And that means that once we develop a positioning statement and once we develop a piece of copy, that is not the be-all, end-all representation of the brand. In fact, I think brands are much like people, right? They're multifaceted in their personality. So I myself, when I come to work, am one person. When I'm at home with my wife and my two sons, I'm another person. When I'm reconnecting with my college friends, I'm a different person. But at my core, I'm absolutely still the same Chris Balach. But I flex and behave a little bit differently in every scenario. And I think brands at times are stuck trying to behave the same way in every single venue, which in reality doesn't reflect how people actually behave. So I think brands have an opportunity to evolve to become a little more malleable, a little more contextually relevant. And I think we're starting to see a lot of that in particular on social media, but I think there are opportunities to extend that malleability into other mass media vehicles. Um, Another important trend that is absolutely here is the notion that um, content is bite-sized, it's short format. Um, there's an abundance of content or brands should be creating an abundance of content for their brands. And that's largely because the decay or the life cycle of every one of those pieces of creative is so, so brief that I think we have to continue to stimulate the consumer base with new content of, from the brand. Um, so certainly the notion that content is king is not a new notion, but I think it's one that will continue to grow in importance um, with every year. And then lastly, I think um, the reason small bite-sized content really matters is because like Airbnb and the Warby Parkers of the world, like it's an opportunity for brands that were once really small and budding, growing out of nowhere to really get noticed and establish a strong foothold in the marketplace. And there's lots of evidence that this is happening all over the place. So um, most important trends or opportunities are brands can be malleable and lots of bite-sized little content. And then in terms of challenges, I think the most significant challenge that we face today is simply the fragmentation of the media landscape. Um, You know, whereas 30 years ago, you could achieve a majority of your reach in one media vehicle, call it TV. Today, the fragmentation is spread across so many different media vehicles that brands have to create lots of different pieces of content and variety of different formats to reach the same number of consumers they used to be able to reach through just one medium. So I think it's an, it's a challenge and it's one that um, at times it feels like big brands are trying still to catch up to that trend um, to overcome that challenge. And what would you predict for the future of marketing if you had your crystal yeah, so, ball in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> um, if I had a crystal ball, I would predict a few things. I'd say first and foremost, the amount of data that's coming back to marketers is growing every single day. And I think continuing to make more and more data-driven decisions will grow. But I think what will grow even more than it has in the recent past is the real-time optimization that happens with that data. So we know that today a lot of digital advertising is continuously getting optimized in real time. I see there to be an opportunity in the future for many other touch points with consumers to be optimized in real time, similar to the way a lot of digital media is being optimized today. Um, And then my other prediction for the future has to do with convergence. And I think there's, in particular in the world of digital media and e-commerce, starting to be a tremendous convergence between what is media and advertising and what is commerce. 
So when is a banner ad just a banner ad versus when is a banner ad an opportunity to place a product in someone's shopping basket? Those lines are becoming incredibly blurry and I think we'll only get more blurred um, in real time here in the next zero to three years. So when are you consuming media um, simply as a viewer versus when are you consuming media as a shopper? I think that that dynamic is changing in real time. And the, the blurring line between sort of above the line and below the line media and advertising, if you will, is starting to get um, pretty confusing. Uh, last question, I want to circle back on something you said, just get a reaction on it. You, you talked about the campaign itself and kind of having this simple, broad, you know, truth, if you will, common truth to it. Um, and then in the brands that you follow, you also highlighted, you know, many of those brands have those same, you know, brand, brand truths or universal truths and broad appeal. I'm curious to get your reaction, you know, this notion of because of the fragmentation of media, also another theme you mentioned, there's marketers are, if you will, chasing niche, right? Um, in some in some cases, and I, I'm curious to get your reaction on, you know, the chase of the small versus the broad universal, and and how you make those trade-offs, when to do which. Sure. One. So, I'll say there's an abundance of research that suggests that brands and categories grow when you drive more penetration. So, to think of it very simply, if you or I, you or I were to start a business tomorrow, our mission would be let's get as many people out there as we can to purchase and consume our product. And there's something interesting that happens in the life cycle of a business where a business says, okay, I don't necessarily want everyone. I just want this small subset of people. Well, there's a significant opportunity to get all category users or all people who would consider purchasing the category to purchase our product. So I think if I were Nike, everybody puts shoes on their feet and how do we attract everybody who puts shoes on their feet as opposed to a small subset of consumers? Now, Nike does a very nice job of partitioning people who put shoes on their feet from, you know, football players to golfers to everyday shoe wearers. Um, but these brands are still attracting everybody who exhibits this behavior. And in the world of gum, we know that gum has an incredibly low rejection rate, hence the reason that we seek these broad, universal human truths and are seeking to tell broadly appealing stories. So oh. niche marketing and like hyper-targeted marketing I think does have its application, um, but our intention here is to attract the masses, and we have absolutely proven that you can do that very successfully. Good. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for doing this, and, and thank you for sitting down with us. Yeah, thanks, Helen. It was, it was my pleasure. Welcome to the Next Wave Podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change. 